0: You guys are crazy. John chapter 5. John chapter 5. You there? Some of you should have already been there waiting for me. John chapter 5. Oh, man. So, hopefully we'll have a light show during the, the message. That'd be awkward. I'll start rapping too or something. Start in verse 1. Starting in verse... Oh, no. One. You there? All right, I'm going to start reading. There's a hair in my Bible. After this, there was a feast of the Hughes. The Jews. And Jesus, say Jesus. Say it with some attitude. Jesus. Went up to Jerusalem. Say, oh. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda. Say Bethesda. Say Bethesda. (laughs) So there's a Sheep Gate. You go through the Sheep Gate and there's a pool. You with me? And around this pool lay a great multitude of sick people. <laughs> Blind people, lame, paralyzed, waiting <laughs> waiting for the moving of the agua. My Bible says agua, I don't know about yours, but for an angel went down at a certain time into the pool. Did I skip something? Let's go back to verse 2. Start over. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep Gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew what? Having five porches. Say five. Say porches. Five porches. So there's a pool and there's five porches. How many? Not four, not six, but five porches. And these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water. Then whoever stepped in first after the stirring of the water was made well whatever disease he or she may have had. You with me? They go through the sheep gate. There's five porches, not pooches, five porches. Good thing you have pooches back then. Stupid dogs. And around them laid... A bunch of sick people. An angel would come down and stir up the water. Whatever was stirred, whoever wasn't paralyzed pretty much would run down and jump in the water. That's pretty much. No, seriously, that's how it went down. So like if they had a cough, you're like, sorry, fellas. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just being honest. That's what happened. Okay, verse 5. Now a certain man, say a certain man, was there who had an infirmity for 38 years. Wow. Could you imagine having chicken pox for 38 years? That sucks so bad. (laughs) When Jesus saw him lying there, who saw him? I'm so thankful for Jesus. When he saw him lying there and knew that he'd already been in that condition a long time said to him, do you want to be made well? The sick man answered him said, sir, I have no man. Say no man. Amen. I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down before me. Everybody he said, oh. Jesus said to him, arise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately, the man was made well. Somebody say, praise God. You know, it's actually, you know, that was a real person. This is a real story. This is a real testimony of somebody who was really sick, had a real disease, and really got healed. And we today can look at that and go, praise God. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately, the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath? The Sabbath. Flip over to Proverbs chapter twenty-four. I'm excited tonight. I'm excited to share this word. Say word. Come on, say word. Come on, it's kind of like bird, but word. That's how I say this word, word, word. All right, verse sixteen, Proverbs twenty-four, verse sixteen. You there? If you're there, Sam, there. If you're not, hit somebody. And if you got hit, hit him back. Verse sixteen, Proverbs twenty-four, verse sixteen. For a righteous man, or woman, for a righteous man may fall seven times. How many? And rise again. But the wicked shall fall by calamity. For a righteous man may fall seven times. Say seven. Seven is the number of completion. It doesn't necessarily mean if you fall eight times that you're done for. It just means that you can fall infinity amount of times. And the idea is that you can get up again. A righteous man may fall seven times, may fall. It doesn't mean you get the, it doesn't mean you get the privilege of falling seven times. It means you you may fall that many times. Too many times to count, but he gets up again. But he gets up again. I don't even know why I read that passage. Flip back over to John chapter five. That just, that blessed somebody, if anything. I didn't prepare for tonight, so pray for me. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Tonight, I'm going to preach from the title, from the subject, a place called grace. A place called grace. In verse 2, and it says, a pool called Bethesda, that word can be translated a place of outpouring or a house of grace, house of grace. So let's just call it the house called grace, the house called grace. Sound good? Let's pray. Tonight, Lord God, we thank you for your anointing that breaks every yoke and bondage. God, even if they don't even know what that means, God, I thank you for your spirit God, that destroys everything that binds us, everything that controls us, everything that continues to hold us down. God, I thank you that your spirit is here to set us free. God, we thank you for Jesus and God that we don't have to wait for a stirring in a pool. But God, that your son rose again and is seated in heaven with you. He's already done the miracle. God, help us to walk in that. Lord, help us to understand what the House of Grace looks like, and the man that we 're talking about tonight, his name, Amen. Amen. When I grew up, I lived on a lake. I was there this last weekend for the Fourth of July. How many had a good Fourth of July? <clears throat> How many lost fingers from shooting off <laughs> They're like what is that even supposed to mean? How many, you're you're weird. How many like blew up fingers from from fireworks? Anybody? Tom oh, anybody else? <laughs> no, like three years ago at a summer camp, I knew this one guy. And uh is he here tonight? Okay. Anyway, yeah. Let's just say he blew off a couple fingers. <laughs> we glued him back on with Elmer's, but you know. <laughs> it was pretty it's still bleeding. It's kinda you know, <laughs> Elmer's doesn't work very well. What, what was I talking about? Oh, in Willow. So I grew up, my parents' house in Willow. And when I read this passage, it when I saw the five porches, I was like, I can relate with that house. Because I grew up in a house, I think had like six porches or six decks. Seriously. Um, yeah, one, uh, two, three, four, five, six. Six, and then like a bunch of like walkways and like little stairs and stuff like that. So six decks. Some of you are out there this week and you saw all the decks. And every summer, some of you've heard this before, but every summer, true story. True story. Everything I've said thus far has not been true, but this is true. If anything's true, this is a true. So I witnessed, I didn't witness this, I believe this, but this is true. I can testify to this. True story. You ready? Every summer, usually when you're, you know, junior high, going to high school. You, know, you want to go out and have fun, you know. You live on a lake, your parents go, hey, go jet skiing, you know. Yeah, exactly. You go have fun, fun, fun. That's kind of that's what you do when you're in high school or junior high. That's that's say so that's what you do. That's what sweet, all of you said it. Awesome. We missed the cue there. <laughs> but that's not what I did. Somebody go, oh. I need some more sympathy than that. That was weak sauce. My dad was insistent, say insistent, almost to the point of uh, me running away. Uh, Don't do that, it's bad. He was insistent on making sure that every summer we would take sanders and sand every deck Every step. Sandpaper, you're with me, right? Okay. Every deck, every step, every corner. I'm not exaggerating. Like, we would get done with the, that's the noise it makes. Like, you'd be doing that all day. Your arms would just go like this when you're walking around, just forever, because it's vibrating nonstop. Anybody ever just sanded using a sander before? Okay, you're with me. So imagine doing that nonstop. So you're doing that all summer. You wake up. Your breakfast was sawdust and sand, wood, dust, whatever that stuff is. And we'd sand it down. And then when we're done with it after about two and a half months, we would stain all the decks. So you'd, you know, like painting it, but you'd stain it with a, with a specific type of color or stain that made the decks look nice. So every summer we did this, I think for six years, till I left, praise God. Mom and dad, my parents, you know, mom, dad, you know, the Lord has called me. And I'm not going to be here this summer. I'm moving to Anchorage. And, uh, and they started doing the decks without me. And so every single time, a friend would come over. They would say, hey, Gabriel, what are you doing? Oh, I'm I'm sanding I'm sandin decks. Hey, Gabriel, we're going to have a bunch of guys that are going to play some football. What are you doing? Oh, I'm sanding sandin decks. Hey, hey, uh, hey, we're we're going jet skiing all the guys, some ladies. And uh, what are you doing? Uh sanding sand decks. Keeping up on the house, mowing the stinking lawn, watering the grass. <sighs> I'm doing the best I can. What are you doing, Gabriel? Sand Dex. So they got to the point after a year went by, a couple years went by, a couple summers went by, the kids would start coming over, hey, you, are you, and before I even say anything, hey, are you Sand and Dex? Yeah. Yeah, I'm so excited to Sand Dex, you know. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> you know. Nonstop, keeping up, maintaining my dad's. how this our house, Dad? Do I get an allowance? An allowance? Well, Dad, I'm wondering if, like, you know, do I get anything for? The, I mean, Dad, I've been, you know, sanding. An allowance, Gabriel. I give you dinner every night. True, Dad. It's totally true. Uh, but even if I wasn't sanding the decks, you'd still give me dinner every night. So, so dad, what I'm really asking is, uh, dad, uh, like, you know, anything on top of that? You know, I mean, I, I mean, I'm your son, and I'm kind of going above and beyond your son. You know, anything else? You know, like, you know, like, you know anything? Yeah, uh, I give you a bedroom. It's true. If you do. Uh, yeah, but dad, look. Even if I even if I wasn't doing these decks, I still had the bedroom, Dad. So like, Dad, like, you know, son, Gabriel, <laughs> serious, this happened. I am your father. I'm like, uh... <laughs> no, it didn't happen. But he goes, Gabriel, when you were knee. Hi, to a grasshopper. He says it all the time. <laughs> I'm like, what does that even mean, Dad? <laughs> and then I just walked away. <laughs> no allowance. One of the things I learned about my dad's house, and I am actually thankful that I lived at the house I lived out in the lake I lived on, and, and I was able to ride the things I rode, jet skis and all the fun things that my dad blessed me with. I'm so thankful, for sure. I really am. One thing that I really hated, because I'm a human being, is I really did not like to continue to stay up on the house every summer. Like, yeah, was it really necessary? Yeah, because when, when it rains and when it snows and it freezes on the deck and then it all melts, the, the deck looks bad, so you got to maintain it so we keep it up every single summer. John chapter 5, it talks about a place called Grace. A house called grace this is not a house that you need to maintain this is not a house that you need to keep up on this is not a house that needs you to vacuum or to do the dishes I'm not saying that you shouldn't vacuum and do the dishes when you're saved I'm talking about heaven I'm talking about the house of God. I'm talking about the place called grace. I'm talking about a place that doesn't need you to keep up on it. I'm talking about a place that when you're there it keeps up on you. I'm talking about a place that you don't get weary when you're there, but rather you are restored when you're there. It maintains and continues to build you up. I'm so thankful that my father in heaven didn't give me a house that I have to maintain. I'm so thankful that the Father's house, the house called Grace. Anybody else with me? the house called? Come on, the house called. I'm I'm thankful that my dad in heaven, who gave me a house called Grace, does not require of me to maintain it. It doesn't require of me to do the dishes. It does not require me to walk through to make sure that all the trash is picked up. Because there's no trash in this house called grace. It's a place of joy. It's a place of peace. It's a place of love. It's a place of acceptance. It's a place of redemption. It's a place of mercy. It's a place of triumph and victory. It's a place of hope. It's a place where your faith is strengthened. It's a place that you go, that you stay, that you remain to be maintained, to be restored. I'm talking about a strong place called the place of grace. Did you know that when you became a child of God, that God took you? and put you in his house of grace. Well, Gabriel, I don't really feel like it. I don't really care what you feel. Because the truth is, if you put your faith in his, his name, Jesus, and you believe that he is Christ, that he is the king, that he is the savior, and that he is Lord, that he died for you, that he rose again, he sits in heaven on your behalf, and because of his work, you're now a child of God. If you believe that, you have been taken and seated in the house of grace. You didn't do anything about it. You're just there. And it maintains you. It keeps up on you. Your only chore, which is should not be a chore, but your only thing that God asks of you is to th- make sure that you continue to spend time with the father of the house. It's a place called grace. You know, when I was at my house in Willow and people come to me and say, hey, Gabriel, what are you doing? You want to come hang out? I'm sanding, sanding decks. It's kind of got a ring to it, sanding decks, not really. This sounds horrible. <laughs> sounds like hell. <clears throat> you know, if somebody were to come to the house of grace, and if they were to ask Gabriel, "What is what is it like there? What are you what are you doing?" Hey, can, can you can you come hang out? Hey, I know you're at this church thing, but hey, can you can you come hang out? No. No, I'm at I'm at the place called Grace. And it gives better joy than that drug. Hey, hey, you wanna come and you know, there's gonna be a bunch of girls there? No, because I find real intimacy with my father at this place called Grace. What the heck does this place called Grace look like? Well, to be honest, you know if you go to John chapter five verse three, it tells you. There's five porches, and a bunch of sick people there. They're sick. They're blind. They're lame. Oh, wait a minute. Let me finish. They're sick. They're blind. They're lame. They're paralyzed. Whoa, you're telling me you're hanging out at the place called Grace with those people? I am those people. See, we are all, in some way, those people. And we are in the right place if we're in the place called grace. Because the place called grace, the house of grace, is there for people like you and for people like me. See, because a lot of times what happens is that people get saved, and then things start happening. You know? Like, they make a mistake, and they go, you know, I just don't know if I should be there anymore. You know, it's not really for me. No, you're totally wrong. Because the house of grace and the place of grace is, is there for people just like you. Those of you who are sick and who are blind, but the truth is, every single one of us, in some way, in some way, have some illness if we're honest with ourselves. So really the place of grace is more for those who are honest with the reality that they have something and that they need to be at that place called grace. They need to be in that relationship with the Father, which is the place of grace. You know, sometimes... Being sick, spiritually, is being bitter. Are you bitter? Sometimes being sick, spiritually, is being really frustrated with somebody and you're not willing to deal with it. Are you frustrated with somebody? Well, I just had this awesome experience at camp, you know, and I'm just going to kind of weigh it out and eventually those feelings will go away. No, they won't you're supposed to be in that place called grace and you're supposed to let the one who's there heal you of the bitterness that you're in. But you cannot be healed of that unless you're honest with the reality that you are sick. You know, sometimes being spiritually sick means you are in a place, you're in a state of condemning yourself. You tell yourself, you'll never be good enough. You'll never measure up, and you're just going to stay in that state because it's easier. Are you in a place where you're condemning yourself because of something you've done or because of something that you haven't done? I haven't read my Bible enough. I haven't been happy. I haven't even loved anybody. I don't even hang out with people. I have no friends, so therefore I'm nothing. We start realizing some of these things, like bitter, frustrated, or afraid. Worried about tomorrow. Worried about what's going to go wrong or what could go wrong concerned, too concerned about your tomorrow and it hasn't even happened yet and it's caused you to be sick and you're considering I shouldn't be with these people who call themselves Christians because they're better than me. You hear what I'm saying? You start realizing, man, i When I read those things, blind, lame, I feel like that spiritually. And some of those, I I am that physically. And what starts happening is you just start going, you know, it's been nice. But I don't really think I really fit in here. I can't really keep up on myself. I can't really keep myself clean. I can't really... I, I just I feel like I just don't have the ability. I feel like I don't have the power. I feel like I don't have the motivation. I don't, I don't feel like I have the inspiration. I just feel like I have nothing. I feel empty. I feel, you know, it was cool at that encounter night. It was cool that one Thursday night. It was cool at that small group. It was, it was blast at that camp, and I felt things. But now it's just weird, you know, because I don't feel those things. You know, I don't even feel inspired. I don't even feel motivated. I, I, honestly, I don't even feel like I should be here. But what I'm telling you tonight is that if you're in that place where you feel spiritually sick, and we could go into definition of what that looks like, if you're in that place, what I'm telling you is that if you're in the house of grace, you're in the right place. I love this story, you know, it talks about the pool of Bethesda. It's like, it's the sheep gate, a pool which is called Hebrew Bethesda. It's like a place of outpouring. It's the house of grace. And, and then it says, and there's a bunch of sick, lame, mute, deaf people there. At first, it seems like it's some beautiful place where a bunch of awesome, cool, relevant people are hanging out. But then you keep reading and it see, you see that it's not really like that. It's a place where people who realize that they're sick go and hang out. And that's us. See, the difference between us and the world, or I should say that the difference that should be between us and the world, is that we should realize and be honest with the fact that we are sick and they don't. I realized when I was 16 years old that I needed that thing called grace, that person named Jesus. I realized it. And the moment I forget that, and the moment I lose sight of that, is the moment that I fail, and is the moment that I fall. I must remain in a state where I say, because I am sick, therefore I must stay in that place called Grace. You with me? So what I'm saying is that if you feel like you're not good enough, you're in the right place. What I'm saying is that if you are condemning yourself and you keep telling yourself you're worthless, I'm telling you that the place of grace, the house of God, is the right place to be. If you're beating yourself up because you have been addicted to something since you were saved, I'm telling you, you're in the right place. If you are bound up by the fear of man and you think that you're worthless because of that because you see somebody else who's more bold than you and you don't feel like you have the power or the ability to walk with boldness, I'm telling you that in the house of grace, you're in the right place. I'm trying to get you to realize that every single one of us are sick. And you cannot maintain yourself. You cannot fix yourself. You cannot help yourself. But if you stay in the place of grace, sooner or later, God will restore you. But it gets better. You know, it gets better because when you read this story, they waited for an angel to come down, stir up the pool. I don't know how he did it, you know, but I'm sure it was cool. (laughs) Could you imagine, I think I'm going to come down and just uh, do a backflip in there. (laughs) That'd be sweet. All right, we'll be watching. Next guy, I'm going to do a somersault. Goes in there. You know? See, but they waited for something. And then this crazy thing happens. A certain man was there. Then Jesus, say Jesus. Say Jesus. Verse 6, it says, then Jesus saw him. I I don't even know if I can keep reading. Are you with me? It says, Jesus saw him lying there. And he knew that he had been in that condition for a long time. 38 years, he had this. I don't know how long a long time is, but it sounds like a long time. He'd been in this place called Grace. And apparently, he needed to be picked up and put in the pool. I mean, maybe he was paralyzed. I don't know. He had something where he needed, you know, somebody to take them into the pool. Right? Right? So he's waiting there for how long? Well, I don't I don't know. It could be. But I know he was sick for 38 years, but he'd been there for a long time. So maybe it was 38 years. Who knows? Maybe he was born and poof, he was there, you know. <laughs> Lord, I've been here for 38 years and nobody put me in the pool. Jesus shows up. See? The thing about Jesus is before Jesus came, you had to wait for a miracle. But now that Jesus has come, listen, the miracle has already been done. See, you must understand something that is really important for you to understand if you're going to do this thing called following Jesus. Jesus. You with me? You listening? About three of you. Just kidding. I got your focus. If you're going to do this most glorious and privileged thing called following Jesus, you must realize that you are not waiting for something to happen except Jesus returning. But to walk and to follow God, you are not waiting for something to happen. You are responding to something that has already been done. You're not waiting for God to do a miracle necessarily. You're walking in the miracle that's already been done. You're not waiting for the platform to be set out for you to stand up on. You're standing on the platform that's already been set out there for you. See, the crazy thing, the most amazing thing was that Jesus walks up to this man and says, Hey, do you want to be made well? What a crazy question to ask, isn't it? Guy's been there for a long time. Jesus knew. See, Jesus knows your stuff. Did you know that? He walks up to you and he sees everything you're dealing with and he's like, he's asking you tonight, hey, I see that you're in the house of grace and you're sick and stuff. Do you want to be made well? Because you've been here for a long time. You've been following me. You've been going to church, you've been a part of that youth group, you got saved seven, eight, nine, ten, you got baptized on your four. Do you even want to get better? Do you want to? That's what that's that's my question for you. Do you want to? Do you even know how to? Well, you know, I just waiting for the stirring. For something to throw me in there. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about those of us who are believers who are sick and who are staying in that place of sickness and not getting out. Now listen, like I said, We're always being restored and being renewed and being made more and more like Christ. You with me? But you should never be paralyzed to walk your life out with God. That's not God's intent for you. You might be walking with wounds, but you should never be paralyzed in sin. You see the difference? You might be walking and God is restoring you and healing you of things you've gone through but you should never be paralyzed to the point where you cannot walk. I've talked to so many people who say, Gabriel, I feel like I've been paralyzed. I haven't moved in my relationship with God for years. And that's what I'm talking about. What I'm saying is he knows you've been in that condition for a long time. And his question is, Do you want to be made well? What what is your situation? What is your illness? What is your sickness? What is your infirmity? What is the thing that you are spiritually or physically bound by and you are making excuses about? What is it? Nobody likes you? Sounds like this guy. Nobody puts me into the pool when it's stirred. You with me? You know, I just don't feel like anybody even likes me here. Really? You're going to let that keep you from walking the life that God's called you to walk? Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made well. Let's stop there. You must understand, like I said a moment ago, that God has already done and said the miracle. He has already declared you healed. He has already declared you whole. He has already declared you his son or his daughter He has already given you strength to live and to walk for him. He's already done it. It's already been said. But like this man who had been there for 38 years, he had to take that word that Jesus says, you are risen, take up your bed and walk. He had to take those words, believe it and receive it, And actually, pick up his mat that he'd been laying on and walk. This is what I'm saying. I'm saying that God has already spoken over you that you are restored and that you are healed and that you are his son, and that you are his daughter, and that you are no longer paralyzed, and that you are no longer held captive, and that you are no longer bound by the thing that has bound you for so long. It's your choice, and it's up to you for your decision to say, I am going to grab that thing that I've been lying on for so long, and I am going to follow hard after Jesus. What I'm saying is that in that place called grace, and in the house of God, God gives you the ability and the desire by his grace to do what you cannot do by yourself. I'm saying stop waiting for some miracle to happen. Stop waiting for somebody to come up to you and to say you're the best thing in the world for you to feel good enough about yourself for a week to follow Jesus. I'm saying stop waiting for what we would call a stirring in the pool or a supernatural, supernatural phenomenon that makes you go, wow, now I think I'm going to follow Jesus. What, what are you waiting for? How about that? What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for something to to surprise you for to go? All right, now this thing's for real. Now I'm going to do it. Are you waiting for somebody to grab your hand and say, "Hey, let's do this thing together"? That's awesome, and and I think people should walk up to you and say, "Hey, let's do this together." What if nobody ever does? Are you going to continue to make excuses? Are you going to continue to complain and say that nobody's really helping you? Do you do you want to be made well? Encounter nights are amazing because we get those times to be alone with the Lord and worship Him together and experience Him in a way that we don't normally do on a daily basis. And Camp is always amazing because you have four nights in a row where you worship for hours and you're able to set your mind and heart on Him. and You don't really have too many distractions. What about your day-to-day life? When you wake up in the morning, and you're feeling like P. Diddy. I'm sorry. When you wake up in the morning, and you just feel like, you know, I just don't feel like I have that I don't feel like I have that. I don't feel like I'm, I'm good enough. I don't feel like I'm strong enough. I did that yesterday, and I don't really want to pray, and I don't really want to read my Bible, and I haven't really had motivation. What do you do when you feel like, if I could say the word crap? You with me? A righteous man falls seven times, but he gets up again. Why? How? Who said? Are you sure? Seven times, and he gets up again. How does he do that? He does that because he knows that he's in the house of grace, and he knows that that man Jesus has already walking up to him and spoken a word over him. He knows that Jesus has given him the strength and the ability and the desire to follow after him, and he makes a decision to say, Lord, forgive me for what I have done, and I am going to take up that thing I've been lying on, and I am going to follow after you. What I'm talking about is I'm talking about a decision. A decision. I'm talking about a place called grace that gives you desire, that gives you an ability, and where you stand on that place and you say, Lord, I feel sick. I don't feel good enough. I feel these things. We can go on and on down the list. But I know you have spoken over me that that should no longer hold me down, and I'm going to make a conscious decision to stand up and walk. So, would you stand with me? Would you stand with me? Place. Grace. Do you know that you're in a place called grace? Do you know that if you feel lame or paralyzed and you're not moving forward in God, that you're in the right place? And do you know that Jesus has already walked up to you and has already said the word for you to be healed? And do you know that all it takes is for you to say, I turn and I'm going to follow after Jesus? Do you know the difference between a mature follower of God and an immature follower of God is one of them? Is a mature follower of God knows how to repent, knows how to stand up and follow God even when they're doing really, really bad. And an immature one just goes, I blew it, I'm done. I guess what I'm asking you is, do you know how to repent? Do you know that if you're in that place called grace, that it's real, 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 real easy to stand up? Are you with me? See, when you're in that place called grace, laying on five porches, five representing the number of grace. Five is the number of grace. You're laying in the place called grace with a pool called grace on porches that represent grace. You're in the house of grace grace. Grace is God's unearned, unmerited power and favor working in and through you to do what you cannot do by yourself. What I'm telling you is that if you are a believer, you are in the place called grace. You have the ability. God's given you the desire. But when you fall and when you fail and when you feel sick, do you know how to stand back up and keep going. Because if you don't, you won't last. One thing that I've learned <laughs> I learned how to repent. That's why I'm here. I learned how to ask for forgiveness. And I've learned how to change my way of life by the grace of God and keep going. And I don't do that because of some power that is in me by myself. I've done that and I do that by the grace of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? What I'm saying is you have the grace of God in you, under your feet, before you, beside you, beneath you, on top of you. You are in the house of grace. And God's already spoken that word over you. But do you know how to actually apply that word where he says you're free? I've given you desire and I've given you the ability to live like me. Because it's there. You're in that house. But are you going to be like that man that goes, man, I'm just going to lay here for 38 years? because the truth is there's a lot of you who are in the house of grace but you're paralyzed in the house of grace and you're not standing up in the house of grace and you're not walking around in the house of grace finding all those other people in the house of grace that need help in the house of grace you've been there for too long Jesus tonight is wanting to come to you and say to you do you want to be well are you going to stay in that condition for the rest of your life you're wasting your time and i've already given you grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon grace upon upon some more grace my love is already for you and i've already called you my son i've already called you my daughter but i'm waiting for you to say lord yes i want that and i'm going to stand up and i'm going to turn and i'm going to follow after you even if it was yesterday Sometimes I do this once a week. All right, Lord, it's truth is I blew it again. But I'm turning today. Happened last, this last weekend, you know. I didn't even necessarily do anything wrong. I just knew that my mind was in the wrong place. and I wasn't spending time with my father. And I realized that I was getting selfish. And I realized I was getting very easily irritated and frustrated real quick and I wasn't being kind and considerate and compassionate and instantly I went "Wait, what is wrong with me? and I went wait a minute, I know how to change this I just ask for forgiveness and I start living the life that God's called me to live by His grace at work in me and something dawned on me, what dawned on me was man if these young people don't know how to turn and follow Jesus after they've fallen, they're done I'm, just, I'm not trying to c- condemn you. I'm just trying to be honest with you. You're going to hate this life if you don't know how to repent and stand up and follow Jesus after you blew it. Am I making sense? Are you with me? And I'm not just saying, "Just okay, all right, I'm forgiven. I'm talking about you standing up on your own two feet on the grace of God, that rock that is stronger than you, and start following after Jesus by loving him and loving people. That's what I'm talking about.